So we've been making comments for five years now. That's over 100 episodes and counting. And our plan? Well, it's to keep making more seasons, even more episodes. And when I say we, I don't just mean the Commons team. I'm including you, our listeners and supporters. We can't make this show without you. We can't keep bringing you exceptional reporting every week without your support. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to become a Canadaland supporter. So from now until the end of May, we have a special deal for our listeners. Sign up now for just $2 a month for the next six months. You'll get access to all the episodes of Commons one week early and ad-free, as well as exclusive bonus content from all of our shows. There's discounts on merch, tickets to our live events, and so much more. This is a limited-time offer, and it's a pretty great deal that helps support our journalism. Just go to canadaland.com join or click the link in your show notes to become a supporter today. Canadaland Commons is brought to you by our exclusive sponsor, Wealth Simple. If you are a listener of this podcast, you can get your first $10,000 managed for free for two years just by visiting wealthsimple.com slash commons. Go check it out. Take a look. Even if you have 20 bucks to put away, it's a start. I'm Ashley Chinati. I'm Hadia Rodrigue. And I'm Ryan McMahon. Just like Kelly Leach, our friends think we're fun. From Canada Land, this is Commons. I'm pretty sure Russell might kill us because he had a whole episode lined up. And I think we're just going to talk about weed. If you don't smoke or you do smoke, you're still going to find it interesting. If you're high, you might find it more interesting. And if you're not high, but you're thinking of getting high, maybe get high now and then hit play on the episode. Guys. Guys. Guys, I'm I'm a little high. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people ridicule Justin Trudeau when he promised he'd make pot legal. We are pleased to be here with you today to announce that our government is taking decisive action to strictly regulate and restrict access to cannabis and to toughen our impaired driving laws. The federal Liberals' plan for legalizing marijuana has been revealed. The long-awaited pot legislation has been tabled in the House of Commons, and the government vows to pass it by July 2018. This was one of his campaign promises. It's expected to pass. The current punishment for being caught with pot in Canada is uh, cops saying, hey, maybe don't do that, eh? (laughs) So the Liberals have tabled two bills, or suite of bills, that would see cannabis legalized in Canada, or legalization of recreational marijuana. Amongst the highlights of this bill are the fact that sales would be restricted to those who are 18 and older, though provinces could uh, up that age if they want. Uh, Adults 18 years and older would be able to possess 30 grams of dried cannabis, or its equivalent in non-dried form. You could sell through federally licensed producers if your province does not have a regulated system. You can grow up to four plants for each residence with your plants not to exceed 100 centimeters in height. 
You could produce legal cannabis products such as food or edibles or delicious pot cookies for personal use at home. And possession and production and distribution outside of the legal system, the regulated system, would remain illegal. And so would imports and exports if you don't have a proper permit. And uh, you wouldn't be able to drive with THC in your blood. So there'd be a regulated limit, just like we have with um, impaired drinking and driving. And the penalty for selling to a minor, it's much steeper than selling alcohol to a minor. So you are punishable with, I believe, up to 14 years in prison versus one year um, if you give alcohol to a minor. So just some of the highlights of the bills. All right. So lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of questions. And as a comedian, I'm fighting the impetus to say, but I forgot what I was going to say. So let's dive into this. So first thing first, this all sounds great for those that use. This all sounds great for the medicinal market. Uh, This sounds great for those adults that have to sneak a joint in the garage uh, because they don't want their neighbors to see because of the stigma attached. Can this bill even pass into legislation before the next election, before possibly another government comes in? Doesn't it take a long time to pass a bill like this? That's the beauty of a majority government in our current shape of the House of Commons. I mean... The Tories could try and filibuster it, but they're not even united right now on this issue. Their leadership candidates have very different stances. The NDP tacitly support the idea of legalization, but they want the Liberals to actually go a bit further, starting with immediate decriminalization to stop people from getting arrested right now. Because if this takes force between sometime between now and July 2018, in between, people are still going to keep getting arrested. And that's pretty bonkers. And there's so many other bonkers parts of this law, like the 100 centimeter limit. Okay, so who the heck is going to be policing your homegrown weed coming around with a meter stick? I mean, like that, that, that plant's a little bit too tall. So then buy strains that grow short and stubby, and then you end up with more pot anyway. New federal and provincial positions. Job creation. The government. Yeah. Pot plant measures. Yeah. And you can make edibles at home, but you can't sell them yet. They say that's going to come. But I think that's going to be like corner store beer. Like it's one of those things where like when you come out of a prohibition, you keep a bunch of laws in place to make people happy and they just never get unwound. So, of course, you can make your own at home, just like in you can make your own wine and beer at home, but not your own spirits. Like I feel like there's going to be all these weird rules It's a good start. I think there's a lot in it that's a good start. That's that's the important thing, I think, here. Hadia, what about young people, black, indigenous youth that are currently serving time that have been pinched for little bits of weed or selling a little bit of weed to their friends? What do you imagine happens to them? Because, yes, I think legalization, however it comes in whatever form is going to come. But I'm thinking about our brothers and sisters that are sitting serving time haven't been pinched for a little bit of pot. What do you imagine around releasing these young people now that we are talking about decriminalization and legalization of pot? How do, how do you see that? Well, usually they don't sort of retroactively impunge or like get rid of your arrest or your criminal record because at the time it was illegal when they did get caught. Right. It is true that cannabis-related arrests account for 79% of youth drug crime, which is pretty significant. And it does... Sorry, did you say 79? 79% of youth drug crime. 
Holy shit. What I am wow. reading here. There were about 96,000 controlled drugs and substances offenses reported by police in 2015, and 51% of those were possession. And only 9% were trafficking and production and distribution. So the people who are getting caught up by the ban on cannabis do tend to be the users. And I would warrant to say that the Black and Indigenous users form a disproportionately high you know, proportion of those being caught. So there's this interesting debate about this bill as to whether it's going to further criminalization of of youth who are engaged in marijuana production illicitly because it's outside the system. Because it's ta- yeah, outside the system because it's upping the penalties. So like if you have under five grams of marijuana, which like let's be real folks, that's not a ton of pot. Like that's like like a couple fingers in a baggie of like loose shitty weed. But for adults, you can have 30 grams. That's like a baggie of weed. That's like over an ounce of pot. And sure, like let like you don't want to encourage kids carrying around a giant bag of weed. Like that's great. Five, five grams. So I think there's a lot of good measures in here when it comes to increasing penalties for for driving while high. I think that's too normalized in Canada right now, especially among like suburban or rural youth getting bored and going for like a cruise in the cornfields and smoking dope is a pretty common thing to do at some point when you're growing up in this country. And so I think the idea that we need to talk about driving high being as bad as driving drunk is actually an important thing. And this is I'm saying this is an entire hypocrite as an adult who's definitely as a young person been in the backseat of that car. But now as an adult, I'm like, Jesus Christ, we shouldn't have done that. And yet people are saying like, so I'm actually okay with some of this sort of semi tough on crime measures in this bill insofar as they will make things safer and help people who are really nervous about legal weed calm down a little bit. But I also know that there's a flip side to that and who's going to be criminalized probably aren't kids who look like me. Surprise! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the tough on crime conversation right now I think is an important part to find the middle area, to find the middle ground. And we should, you know, take it as far to the right or left in that conversation in terms of, you know, penalties and whatnot. But let's also be clear, like, you know, some of the conversations around the tough on crime aspects of this bill are just completely unfounded and ludicrous. And people are saying, you know, well, you're going to have kids stabbed by drug dealers because the drug dealers are going to want the weed. We have to look at what happened with alcohol prohibition to kind of be informed by what's going to happen here with weed prohibition and its changes. And I'm not saying there isn't violence around people getting jumped for their king cans, but there's a lot of fear mongering happening right now around what may or may not happen once this becomes legal, that it's going to be the Wild West out on the streets. I don't know. I don't think the rate of users is going to go up. I think your doctor probably smokes weed. I think the cop that lives three houses down from you probably smokes weed. I know the the, <laughs> the school teacher who deals with your bad kid every day <laughs> smokes a little bit of weed when they get home. I want to just kind of mention the fear mongering and just say, let's chill out a little bit on the fear mongering and really you know, dig into dig into other aspects of this bill, like the way this is going to bring so much revenue to the provinces and to the feds that uh, it's just such a massive win for Canada. I mean, it currently costs them $1.2 billion to police 
the use of weed and marijuana. So, so even, that alone, even getting rid of that, co- I mean, there's still going to be some costs because they're, they're not going to lay off cops. Let's be no. real. And there's still going to be rules that have to be followed and people will police those, but maybe some savings and, you know, but there's just a lot of people who have these minor drug offenses on, on their record who it affects their employment it affects getting a house and it disproportionately affects minorities and people of color. And so if those negative effects are reduced because of legalization, like I'm kind of all for it. Hadia, where are we going to get this? They're going to be at the liquor store in like a separate little window. Are they going to be in dispensaries? You know, do you get a sense of what's I get a happening sense that, that way? the current people in the weed business are not going to want to give this over to the LCBO in Ontario, for example. So I, I think they will be distinct, probably also to cut down on people drinking and smoking at the same time. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be basically those dispensaries we see, but now legalized instead of popping up and randomly disappearing from time to time and the police decide that they shouldn't be there anymore. I imagine just little weed shops, just like we have I think, or bigger I think, weed shops, kind of like the... The corporate weed. Like, I think yeah. it's going to be like big weed that comes in here. And so like... Something that I think is being being really missed in this whole thing by the average consumer is, especially if you're living in Toronto or Vancouver or Montreal, even Ottawa, they have like a cannabis culture now. You can just walk in, show your ID and buy weed. Like it's ostensibly legal in parts of the country right now. Like you can just walk it without it actually being legal. Like you could still get arrested when you walk out with that pot, but how... Most major cities now, you have at least one pot shop you can go into without even being a member. And that's accelerated in the past six months to a year, a crazy amount. But a lot of these sort of semi, well, let's be straight, these gray market illegal mom and pop stores do often tend to have ties to sometimes organized crime for their supply chain. Even if you're moving something from BC to Ontario, like that's a that's a crime, right? So there are concerns, though, that even the better little shops will get pushed out by the big guys. So what's been going on for the past number of years, ever since the Liberals promised to legalize weed, is a ton of corporate interests have been building up around the medical marijuana industry with an eye to being the providers of good quality, safe weed once it's legal. Their entire business model is premised on this. Every time there's a legalization announcement, people are watching. Some of them are publicly traded. They're worth. And there's been a lot of criticisms on both sides as to whether or not their quality is going to be as good as the average high-end user of illegal weed is used to right now. And quite frankly, I think A lot of the concerns that it's not going to be as good are coming from the people who own some of those illegal stores right now. Like when the Emery's come out and say, well, you know, this corporate weed company X's pot is terrible. We need to keep the mom and pot shops going. Let's remember where their economic interests lie. And they're the people who are running these mom and pop shops. So quote unquote mom and pop shops. At the end of the day, from what I've seen from the weed that's coming from the legitimate dispensaries in Canada, it is phenomenal. It is clean. You might be paying a premium weed price, but it's no different from a premium weed price you'd be paying right now at a store like ones that are a couple blocks from us right now in Toronto. Like we're talking 12 to 15 bucks a gram for really good weed. And then of course there's the $8, $10 a gram weed that's crap, but it's the same thing with wine. If you're buying an $8 bottle of wine, don't expect a lot. If you want a nice like 
a really good red with some age on it, you're going to vintages and you're paying 20, 30, 40, 50 bucks a bottle of wine. Same shit, same rules apply. And the corporate interests will probably bigfoot their way in here. And you can have the capitalist, anti-capitalist argument about that. But quality wise, as the end user, I think it's actually going to be fine. One thing that I like to imagine is the way this is actually going to change small business and how small business, you know, in Canada, small business drives this economy. It's a large part of our GDP. And so you can just imagine the, you know, the weed delivery service in in big inner cities, guys on bikes. Like the Uber. Uber (laughs) They deliver your food. They pick up your weed. Yeah, Uber (laughs) weed. (laughs) And I'm not a big uh, drug user myself, never really have been. But I'm excited that we are in a country that is choosing to treat people like adults to make their own decisions about what they want to put in their body. And I really look forward mostly to the fact that young brown bodies aren't going to be thrown in jail for enjoying themselves on the weekend. And I'm so glad to hear you say that because I think there's been a lot of foot stamping about this bill not going far enough or being too precious in its approach to legalization. And it's something that, you know, when I'm reading through it, there are parts of it where I'm like rolling my eyes at, you know, these these hundred centimeter, like you may have it four pot plants and they may be this high and no, no higher. higher. But it's a start and unraveling the societal attitudes around it and unraveling years of prosecution and law is a big step and it should be taken seriously it shouldn't just be like yeah and for for some reason we don't we we don't want to and i haven't heard a lot of people talking about the economic benefits of this A, a lot of people haven't been or at least in what i've read or listened to so far no one's touching on the economic benefits, how how this will affect... They've, they actually made a very concerted effort to not make it about revenue in their messaging on this. And I think it's because they don't want it to be seen as either A, a tax grab, or B, a desperate move to fund their wacky liberal spending by the opposition parties. So I think like <laughs> the Minister of Revenue was at the press conference when this was announced after the technical briefing for reporters and she actually like wouldn't she kept saying she's not there as the minister of revenue but she was there as like an expert in her past life which involved social work and kids if i remember correctly and smoking and because <laughs> that's smoking what weed. kids do <laughs> i feel like we are the perfect podcast to do the first like interview over marijuana with a politician in this country, like the day it becomes legal. So throwing that out there, if you're a Canadian politician and you listen to our podcast and you want to be on our like, weed is legal day (laughs) and you want to do an interview with me and get high, let us know. I'll be the weird (laughs) sober friend in the corner that just laughs at the two of you. Uh, Depending on what we do, I may be the paranoid native kid in the corner Or I may be very chatty about... (laughs) Either way, I'd be down. (laughs) So we just want to take a minute to thank our exclusive sponsor, Wealthsimple. Wealthsimple makes investing simple and easy. And money is hard. Like, Like, let's be real about this. Like, I... 
I am not good with my own finances to the point that my partner likes to be like, you criticize the government all day for being bad with money. And there you are. You're, you don't save enough. You owe money for your taxes this year. And I do owe money for my taxes this year. And it makes me wish that back when I was a student, I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was socking that away, wish I'd had a product like Wealth Simple. Back in the day when I used to get that like sweet 500 bucks I probably spent on booze and pot. Well, I'm a little bit luckier right now because I am a student and my school pays a nice chunk of tuition for me. So I do get that sweet education credit and I am expecting to get a nice chunk of change for my return, which I would like to invest because now that I am a responsible adult, I know that that is the thing you should do with your money. Well, this is, this is, I'm like the Kool-Aid man breaking through the wall saying, did you know that listeners of Commons get their first $10,000 of investments with no management fees for two years? If you sign up now and go to wellsimple.com slash commons, Hadia, you can put that money into a very, very, very easy to use investment with Wellsimple. You can use iPhone or Android or an old school computer. What do you think? Money is hard, but wealth simple is not. It's super easy to understand, even if you have no idea what you should be expecting for like returns on investments and all these fancy words that banks throw at you. And they don't require sort of like starting levels to get into programs like you often get with like the big banks or or mutual funds or things like that. So if you're like me and you just tend to get overwhelmed when dealing with your finances, Wealthsimple.com is a great way to sort of learn more and take control of your money. Welcome to our segment, Is This a Thing?, where we tell you about things and then decide whether or not they are real things that we should care about. So far, many of our things have been things. So in the UK, there's been a bit of a kerfuffle because Cadbury changed the name of their Easter egg hunt to just the Cadbury egg hunt. And Theresa May did not really approve of this change. And some people were calling it just like we've had that war on Christmas with Starbucks and the Red Cups, the war on Easter. Is this a thing? Big chocolate trying to insert their views. <laughs> I'm still not sure what chocolate eggs have to do with the death and resurrection of Christ. I guess they're sort of a symbol of renewal, but it's really about appeasing the pagans to get them into the fold of the Catholic Church back in the day when they were like expanding. It's the same reason we do the Christmas chocolate, trees, right? Chocolate was for the pagans. Well, I, I feel like the eggs were. Okay. And then like we just made chocolate eggs. And then here, here we are. Can, can we also talk about how disgusting those eggs are? Hey, Cadbury cream eggs are pretty tasty. <laughs> they're pretty nasty. The moment you break through that outer chocolate shell is a bit of a nightmare <laughs> moment because it's a mystery. You're not expecting it to be that thick and gooey. It's a little bit of a surprise that I don't That's want. my favorite part. I like the caramel ones. I'm going to go today on the oh, discount. That's new. Rack and get some of the caramel ones because I actually like the Cadbury chocolate, but I agree with Ryan. The inside's too sweet. When Ashley walks into Shopper's Drug Mart with 400 eggs in her basket, she's going to exclaim to the lady checking her out, this is definitely a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So Malala Yousafzai got honorary Canadian citizenship last week. She's only the sixth person to get it. If you don't remember who she is, she's the young Pakistani girl who sort of refused to stop going to school, was a very vocal advocate for girls' education in her country and ended up being shot in the face by the Taliban and survived. And now she's become a global advocate for women's education and advancement. And she's just this lovely little person who's making a great difference But then we had conservative leadership candidates who were espousing, you know, anti-immigrant, anti-Muslim, anti-Middle Eastern views for the past few months, basically trying to use her to be like, hey, we're friendly to everyone last week. So is this a thing? Yeah, trying to pass off an international human rights symbol for your own well-being and good. That's a thing and it's a bad thing. I agree, and I think I think we could go one step forward and get Malala an agent and a manager that can take care of the circle of people that she ends up surrounding herself with now that she's being recognized as this type of leader because all of the, pardon the pun, leeches are going to start attaching themselves to her and it's definitely a thing and it's disgusting. Kelly Leach actually called Malala the embodiment of Canadian values. And we all know what kinds of Canadian values Kelly Leach has been espousing. And that, for me, I think is the most offensive thing of this thing, is taking this young woman from Pakistan and trying to use her for your own political gain when you've been espousing anti-immigrant views for, oh God, almost a year now. So it's kind of like Trump forgetting about the things he tweeted in 2012 and 2013, and then doing those exact same things in 2017, so forgetting the views and the negative rhetoric and words that they used, you know, like two weeks ago. And all of a sudden, they're down with Pakistani people and Muslim people. Yeah. And it's it's treading on dangerous territory of like, Kelly Leach being able to say, look, I'm down with brown people. Look, I have a Pakistani friend. <laughs> is the Pakistani friend the new black friend? Possibly. And I, I that's what's so gross about it. It's definitely a thing. And it's no surprise. How the hell did this turn into a conversation about Kelly Leach? God damn it. I'm going to flip this table. <laughs> but wait, Kelly Leach is fun. Her friends think she's fun, right? This is part of the fun. <laughs> What? Apparently, this is a thing where she did an interview where she, you know, said that her friends think she's fun. Newsflash: If you have to say that you're fun, you're not fun. Fun people don't need to say it; they just are fun. Or maybe her friends find like veiled dog whistles and anti-immigrant rhetoric to be like the best kind of dinner party chatter. Like they're just like, this is I am I am with my people. Like this is <laughs> this is a good time when we can you know down a couple bottles of wine and talk about how we can uh, keep the old stock Canadians in in control here. The first episode of the show, I mentioned I saw her in an airport being rude to a, a server. And I can just, <laughs> I can just have, I've ever a flashback of her mean face, and I and now I can picture her saying, oh, "God damn it, <laughs> my friends think I'm fun," <laughs> and I could just, I could just tell you there was just a black aura <laughs> around her mean face when she got that Shirley Temple. I don't buy it, Kelly Leach, until you and I go out on a night. Uh, on the town, I can't I can't believe it for a second that you are any fun. 
our glorious leader, Jesse Brown, has penned an op-ed in <laughs> Slate magazine saying that Justin Trudeau is not the shiny pony that Americans like to think he is. Is this a thing? He's Obama light. <laughs> but Obama had gravitas. Yeah. He had like more of the like power thing going on than Trudeau does naturally, I think. He had more of a like, I don't give a fuck attitude. Yeah. Trudeau definitely gives a lot of fucks about what people think about him. Pardon yeah. my French. Yeah, you should uh, get a burner phone now and throw away your iPhone, Hadia, because you are you are now on the list. It depends on what the thing is. If Americans saw Trudeau's town hall tour where he was snapping at people and like really short tempered, remember when he like told that native elder in Winnipeg <laughs> that he was going to get flipped on his ass if he didn't sit down right now. And the elder was just trying to curb like some angry people. He was trying to stand up and wave people down just to ask them to be respectful. And uh, Trudeau lost it. And he said, sir, sit down or my security is going to get you. I lost a lot of respect for Trudeau during that town hall tour. I watched the videos and saw it. And yeah, he's not a calm, cool, collected dude like Barack. And uh, I think he's one bad lifestyle choice away from being pretty close to trump whoa bold bold words yeah he he hides his temper in a different way he's you can tell he's frustrated by the job you can tell it's too big for him Uh, there's something that's not quite right there for me i haven't pinned my put my finger on it yet i think something that's there that links the two is the culture of celebrity around the leader and It was very important to Trudeau's rise, right? Like the idea of brand Trudeau, even with their sort of hashtag feminism that lacks a lot of substance, is really starting to show its wear as something that was like an empty set of platitudes that sold us on something. And I think that there, I think you're really tapping into a grain of truth there about the overbranding of political leaders and Trudeau. And there's a parallel with Trudeau and Trump there for sure. And Trudeau's getting too cozy to Trump, as Jesse says in the piece. But I I also am unsure what else they could do with this president because he's so bombastic that if the PMO were to alienate him from the start, they'd never get anywhere. And at the end of the day, we are a much less powerful nation and do rely on trade with the states. It's a, it, That's a tough game to play, I think, for any prime minister, whether it was Trudeau or someone else. Well, this this was published a few hours ago, and I'm 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 looking at the website now. Two hundred and fifty three comments. It went up from two fifty <laughs> to two fifty three in the one minute that we just spoke about it. I do wonder what uh, Justin Trudeau and Bernie's relationship would have been like. How would Trudeau have navigated that? Uh... I don't know because he's so dismissive of like the NDP and the socialist side of things that I'm not sure that would have gone well. I think we 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 asked the question because we believe that. Trudeau is the kind of guy where no, he would get along great with with Bernie or or whomever was on was in that chair. But I really believe the truth is, I, look, I don't think you can come from that type of wealth and privilege and the type of entitlement that goes along with that kind of privilege and just sit into the chair and just be like the as a as a you know a young leader, just be the all the all-loving and patient person that he's he's pitching us. I just don't buy it. I really think that there's a there's a dark side to him that we're going to see 
because yeah, a lot of people think this is the golden child and I don't think anyone is though, right? Like politicians are flawed human beings. He obviously would have gotten along better with like Hillary Clinton than he will with Donald Trump. They'd be politically rather simpatico, both sort of of the establishment politics world. What I find unfortunate about the 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 saint like nature in which Trudeau is painted in the foreign press is that it creates unrealistic expectations. And I think this whole idea that that politicians have to be like flawless or you have to like absolutely love them or absolutely hate them is sort of a dangerous reductionism of how government actually works. Like in reality, the prime minister shouldn't be the be all and end all of our government. We've just overly centralized our political process to get us to that point. Dangerous in the wrong hands. Mm hmm. It's a thing. If you have a thing that you think should be a thing and you'd like for us to talk about that thing on the air with microphones in our face, we would love to break down that thing and see if it's a thing. You can email us at comments at canadalandshow.com. That's our show for this week. I'm Ashley Tanati. You can follow me on Twitter at Ashley Tanati. It's a little weird to spell. Ashley with an L-E-Y, last name C-S-A-N-A-D-Y. And I'm Hadia Rodrique. You can follow me at D Rodrique. That's D-E-E-R-O-D-E-R-I-Q-U-E. Rhymes with Mystique and Clinique. And I'm Ryan McMahon. Follow me at RM Comedy. My name doesn't rhyme with anything. Follow Canada Land Commons on Twitter and Facebook. Check out our website at canadalandshow.com slash commons. Or you can email us at commons at canadalandshow.com. Our Patreon page is patreon.com slash canadaland. The producer of Commons is Russell Gregg. And our music is produced by Nathan Burley. Thanks again to Commons' exclusive sponsor, Wealthsimple. Get your first $10,000 managed for free for two years at wealthsimple.com forward slash commons. If you like what we do, please support us. All right, listeners, there was a song that I know that I heard when I was a kid. And if you can write in and identify it and you live near me, I will take you out for a beverage. So the song goes, Mara, marijuana, Mara, marijuana. I love marijuana. You love marijuana. We love marijuana, too. So if you can identify it, (laughs) I know I heard this maybe on like some sort of much music compilation Sesame Street. Sesame Street. (laughs) This episode is brought to you in part by the Douglas Mattress. Now, I've said it before and I'll say it again. One of the best, and I mean the best things you can do for yourself, is to get a good quality mattress. The time is now, people. Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress protector, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That's douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 